All right, good evening, everyone. Dashiell Miller, and we're here with this week's episode of Kuden Radio, the podcast for, well, us. That wasn't an earthquake. I just moved my laptop. <laughs> anyway, uh, flying solo again. James is uh, wrapping up a project. Uh, he's actually changing jobs and all that, kind of doing an interim thing before he ends up full-time at the Academy. And, um, yeah, anyway, so... Uh, this week, what we are taking, I should probably stop like fidgeting the thing, right? Anyway, uh, so this week we're taking, uh, taking a look at this idea of, uh, what I call the yappy dog syndrome, right? You know what a yappy dog is, right? Just barks and barks and barks, right? And typically they're little dogs, right? That's why I use yappy and not the barking dog syndrome, right? So, you know, um, they'll bark at you and bark at you, but if you take a step in their direction, right, they run off behind a couch and they bark from there right? Or a chair, they bark from there, right? Uh, and they may nip at you or bite at you or whatever. And, you know, they're trying to sound ferocious, but you have a hard time taking them seriously unless you're easily bothered by things. But anyway, so uh, we're going to talk about that and, um, I don't know, some sayings that uh, different teachers had and, and ways to look at this uh, and hopefully um, avoid it ourselves, right? When we get back. And uh, so I'll talk more about that when we get started. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, welcome back. Let me just, again, I'm my own producer again today, so let me just make sure that I have things set up the way they're supposed to be. Let's see. Ta-da! All right, I don't know whether you can see that or not. We'll shift things here a little bit. Excellent. All right, so like I said, um, in the intro, James is finishing up uh, a project and a I don't know, we'll call it a past life uh, thing, right, uh, this week. And then uh, he should be back joining us full time uh, next week. So that'll be cool. But I'm flying solo again, which means I'm the host, the speaker, the guest and the producer. So I'll be jumping around doing different things anyway. All right. So episode 175. Holy crap. Right. I mean, I know we don't have like, you know, hundreds and hundreds, like a lot of well-established um podcast but hey you know we're on uh apple podcast we're on pandora uh a whole bunch of things spotify whatever right now there's a couple of hundred uh now most of them are smaller uh podcast directories but if you're listening in on one of those welcome 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 i do have always you know have a couple of handfuls of folks that uh join me live so that's always cool as well and so um let me do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of step out of character because again, James normally handles these things, and we normally take little, little sidebars and whatnot. But let me just see who's on. So, all right, Victor's on, Dave's on. Good evening, gentlemen. People are still filtering in. Got about a half dozen folks on at the moment. And again, you know, here we are. So uh, normally we have this mad rush after this last uh, email goes out uh, to my list to remind them that hey. Uh, if you're joining us, um, you're late, right? Which is going out oh, right about now. So anyway, uh, I'm, I'm always, uh, 
trigger happy when it comes to leaving the chat up. So I'm not going to do that because we have had a couple of jack wagons in the past hijack our feed and throw up everything from Nazi propaganda to other bullshit. So um, we're not going to let that happen. All right. So anyway, I hope everyone is doing well. Here we are at the end of August of 2023. For those of you watching this in the future, I mean, your past. But um, what that means is that we are entering the last quarter of 2023. So how you doing? Right. Or where you uh, are you where you thought you would be? Uh, do you have uh, an, an end of year kind of to do? Uh, focused list on things that you want to work on or well hopefully right hopefully you're not a yappy dog right so I've got a couple of these things that I'm going to talk about but um, one of my teachers uh, had, had these really cool sayings right he used to say that he was uh, Texas born Georgian raised 145 pounds of romp and stomp and heavily held which was pretty funny but he was also a former marine and uh, police officer and all kinds of things right and, you know, I've had more teachers than uh, just uh, Grandmaster Atsumi and, and some other folks, right? Um, but anyway, so um, let's just dive into this, right? So um, I, I've got notes all over the place. Let me just make sure that I have them right here in front of me. So um, I'm assuming everybody knows what I mean when I say a yappy dog, right? Uh, if you missed the intro, it's talking about these little things, right, that, um, you know, back in the day, um, I mean, there's things like Shih Tzus and, and I mean, there's all kinds of little tiny dogs, right? But they kind of fit and, and they do have a purpose, right? They they all have purposes, right? Go after, uh, you know, keep rats at bay and whatever, right? Uh, and they were bred for different things. There were certain dogs. Uh, one of my guys, uh, Shoshi Whistler, has a couple of these guys that uh, were bred for uh, chasing rodents and things like that and, and uh, snakes and whatnot into tiny burrows and stuff. Places where big dogs just aren't going to go, and if they are, they're just going to tear up your yard, right, uh, in an attempt to go after this thing. But they're just not built for that, right? They're built for other things. So, um, but, you know, these little things are just freaking loud, man. They're just noisy, right? And you know what? There are tough guy wannabes that are the same way, right? And so uh, just off the top of my head, I kind of broke these guys out. Um, but what I want to do during this episode is I'm going to, I want to tie them to something uh, I taught on last, uh, this past Thursday, right? Last week. So for the, again, for those of you guys listening in the future, um, hopefully you didn't miss it. And uh, if you're on my list, then even if you did miss it, uh, you just got the link and you can still watch it and things like that. But I mean, we were so like into things. Um, I realized uh, yesterday that there was something I was going to cover and I didn't. So uh, maybe I'll do that as a sidebar um, later on uh, during this episode. But anyway, so what we covered was something out of the foundational material, the foundational lessons that are necessary, that are prerequisite for fully understanding the uh, esoteric teachings, right? Um, Those, this, this, I hate using the words like religion and spiritual and things like that because people get all like either weird or they slip onto the woo-woo side or they get all new agey or whatever, right? You know, fire and brimstone. There's all kinds of crap going on, right? But anyway, so 
I just like calling it a philosophy, but it's not, it's not mental masturbation either, right? It's not that kind of philosophy, right? We'll just grab the things that, that service and, you know, everything happens for a reason and, and, you know, there's this grand design. It, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I don't know. I'm kind of small. And, um, one of the reasons why if I were going to use any word, I would use the word agnostic. And one of my favorite quotes about being agnostic, right? Agnostic is I'm not taking sides, okay? I'm not discounting things, and I'm going to operate as though there is a higher order, right? But I'm also not going the atheist route, right, where nothing exists uh, but me and my ego. Me and my ego. Anybody from the 70s, right? Uh, anyway, so um, <laughs> what the hell was that? Anyway, um, so... Uh, the, there's this foundational stuff, right? Which is literally the first step on this path, the first part of the path, right? Toward the ninja's esoteric teaching, right? And there are some secret aspects to it just because um, you don't give it to just anybody because it'd be like handing a loaded gun to a baby, right? Um, but it's, in one respect, it's secret because it's like right in front of your freaking nose. But since you don't know what to look for or look at, it's kind of like advanced techniques that black belts do, right? Everybody wants to do the black belt techniques. Everybody wants to do the techniques that the grandmaster's doing, right? Because it just looks so damn easy. Like you only did a move or two, man. Why can't I do it like that? Why are you giving me this stuff? Well, because he did all this stuff and worked a whole process to get there. What? ego wants to do is jump over the process to just cut out all the extra stuff to be that except you don't get to be that unless you go through the process right but um again there's this there's this esoteric stuff but there's this exoteric right the conventional kind of stuff that the, all the esoteric is based on right so if i do a hand gesture that that's supposed to represent an action of enlightenment right if i say uh, certain words that are they're not magical i mean they're they're japanese transliterations of chinese transliterations that means the japanese way of saying what the chinese or the child the chinese would have pronounced it of the original sanskrit or pali or whatever i mean come on man and so why do we do that why don't we just say it in english well you can but what if there's any kind of power where the power comes from is in using sounds or gestures that you don't make Every day, right? Because if we do this, this stuff every day, this is why positive affirmations, it's not that they don't work, right? But you got to drill the hell out of these things. The reason why they don't work for most people is because there's no charged intention behind them. But a, even a bigger reason, I think, that they don't work is because they're the same freaking words you use every day. And because it's the same vocabulary, Right. You're used to using those words. You just they're not special. Right. We try to make them special, but they're not really. I think that's why a lot of people are, are attracted to Chinese or Japanese or Korean or uh, whatever martial arts, because they get to use cool words. Right. Um, they're different. Right. It makes them feel like they're a part of something special as opposed to something that's mundane. Right. I mean, this is using the same language I use every day, I'm using the same actions I use every day, whatever, it's hard to feel different when everything that you're thinking, saying, and doing is the same. 
But here's the thing, right? We had a bunch of people sign up for that free webinar that I did on Thursday, last Thursday, on uh, what are sometimes called the 10 evils, sometimes they're called the 10 non-virtuous actions. What they really are are just, it, it's bad karma, right? I mean, it's it's negative either actions outright or it's habit patterns that we slip into because everybody else is doing them. And what it really amounts to is, is it's a waste of our it's a waste of our time, effort, energy, and, and limited resources, right? So meanwhile, while we're you know standing around talking shit, telling the same story to this person in front of us um, that we've told what every day, every week, right? For the last how many years, right? Well, you know we're trying to fill them in, we're trying to catch up. Why? Did they ask? Why are we trying to force feed our, our life down their down their throat? Or do we have nothing better to talk about? Okay. Um, my if my wife were here, she'd have a, quite the story for you because when we first met, I mean, you know, it's not my first rodeo. No, she's lasted way longer than everybody else because she's just a cool girl. Um, but when we first uh, met, right, went out a couple of times. Um, one of the first things that threw her off was she tried to call what we were doing uh, a date. I said, no, 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 not a date, right? And she said, wait, what What would you call it? I said, exploring possibilities, right? Why, why not a date? Well, you can call it whatever you want, but see, there's there seems to be this, this certain conventional thing that goes on during, quote, unquote, dates, right? There's certain... Almost, it, it, this is almost an unwritten rule, right? There's certain standardized questions, right? So what do you do? What's your job? How, you know, what's your mom and dad do? How many brothers and sisters do you have? And when those kind of things pop up, right? Now, she made it through the vetting process, but when these things pop up, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. I, I am not completing the premarital application. Well, what do we talk about? I don't know. Let's see what happens. Um, you seem like a pretty smart girl, right? Um, I hope anyway, because if I choose to hang around you for a while, um, I hope that we have some significant conversations and not just surface level mundane shit. Cause you know what? It's going to get old really fast and we're going to end up like everybody else. When do they talk to each other? What do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want for dinner? Well, what do you want to get? You want to go to a movie? Sure. Well, what do you want to see? I don't know. What do you want to see? It just turns into this this low level bullshit, right? So um, I kind of introduced her to this idea that to get to know her as a person and to get to know her uniqueness, and hopefully she would get to know mine, we need to talk about different shit than what everybody else talks about right um you know tell me something um that was you know tell, tell me something that you've done in your life that you never thought you would do no oh, shit okay see it's not it's not your typical marriage application date thing right well we need to see what we have in common we, we only need to have a few things in common, 
Okay. What's going to make this really, really powerful is, is if you can be completely you and I can be completely me. And there's a part in there where we can connect and create this separate entity called us. That would be really, really cool. Okay. Cause I'm not looking for my clone. I'm not, and hopefully you're not looking for your clone because to do that, um, we, we would have to give each other a script and then a character study and, and all kinds of things. Right. And either that's going to get really, really boring or <laughs> it's going to piss us off because if you're just like me, then the things I don't like about me or the things that I'm working on or the bad habits that I have, even if I ignore them about me, I'm going to recognize them in you. And that's going to piss me off. And that's going to generate more fights. And oh, just come on, man. How about if we're two unique individuals that anyway, you get where I'm going with this, right? So. Um, but that was one of the biggest things that threw her off because I didn't want to have, I, I didn't want to have one of these things going on. That's one of the 10 evils, right? Like talking for the sense of talking or for the sake of talking, right? Can you be together, enjoy each other's company, but not fill the space with noise? Can you... Each have your own strengths. And when you come into a situation or an experience or a problem, the one who has the most experience or knowledge about that thing, why don't they just lead? Okay. Why did why does everybody say 50-50, everything's 50-50 in a relationship? No, it isn't. Okay. Because if I'm really, really, really sick, or she's really, really, really sick, right? Um, that is not a 50-50 day. Right? Um, you know, if a job shift happens or there's a down month at the dojo or whatever. Right. Um, and the other one's carrying the weight. That's not a 50, 50 relationship. Okay. Over the long term, it'll work out that way. But again, you know, people have these weird expectations. Okay. So anyway, the topic of that, of that uh, webinar was the 10 evils. Now I'm not going through all that thing cause I've already done it. Right. Uh, if you haven't seen it, if you didn't see the gazillion friggin' emails I sent out before it happened or the last couple that I've sent out um, between, well, if you signed up for it but didn't make it, you got a separate email or two. If you did make it, you got a follow-up. Today I sent out uh, an email. Well, we had, a, we had a screwed up link in there for a worksheet that I included for folks to make note-taking easier. Um now, you're probably going to have to split that up into several listening moments because we had a two-hour window blocked out for that, um, and the questions got really engaging, and we went like an hour over. So um, take it in small pieces if you have to, right? Uh, but anyway, I, I sent this, this other email out kind of explaining what I went over, all that kind of stuff, right? So, but we had a bunch of people sign up and I know that they were disappointed because we can see the numbers and at certain points they jump back off. Now, could they have jumped off because they had an internet problem? Sure. Could they have jumped off because they had, um, you know, a life event happened that pulled them away? Sure. Right. But see, we always know whether it's a Kuden or it's a whiteboard Wednesday or it's one of these webinars or whatever, when I strike a nerve or when the lessons don't meet their preconceived expectations, there aren't that many people having a life event at the exact same moment. 
there aren't that many people having an internet connection glitch at the same moment, right? So we can tell, right? And so here's what happened, right? People signed on because we use this term, mikyo. It's a Japanese word for the what most people are familiar with is uh, Tibetan Buddhism or uh, Vajrayana, right? The Diamond Thunderbolt vehicle, that kind of stuff, right? Because they want this this cool stuff that they've heard about. But I'm laying out one of these lessons from this this program we're going to be starting soon, right? Called the First Seven Steps on the Path of Buddha. Before you freak out, okay? Buddha means one who is awake, one who can see what is actually there and understands how things work, okay? Not some crazy, you know, uh, alternate savior story or whatever, right? Um, actually, in, in I even hate the word Buddhism, right? In that philosophy, you're your own savior, okay? Does that mean other things aren't going on? No. Well, does that mean if I'm doing that, I can't be this thing over here and, and believe in God? You can do whatever you want, okay? The cool thing is you're a grown-up, right? We're really approaching it more like a scientist, right? But anyway... One of the big drop-offs was when I was going through these 10 evils and they just seemed like they were everyday things. Like, where's the magic, dude? Well, the magic happens when you stop doing this shit that's wasting your time, effort, energy, and it's distracting you from what you really need to be doing to get where you want to be going, right? It also reminds you because your ego your subconscious is always listening right and everybody else that's in earshot right that you are a certain type of person because of the speech or because of the actions or whatever right so now you're either going to attract people haphazardly or you're going to repel people haphazardly right so you know you're going to have to answer the question sooner or later right Am I able to attract or connect with the kind of people or influencers or high-level teachers or whatever that I want to be around? Am I able to hang out with the kind of people I want as friends? Am I able to, and I don't just mean like a hanger-on kind of thing, right? They're attracted to me, right? There's all, there's like this click, right? Or do I feel like a shit magnet, right? I can't connect with them but I keep attracting these people that are sucking my time, my effort, my resources, my energy, those kind of things, right? I keep loading myself up with anchors, and I, I, I can't make any strides forward in the direction that I want to go, okay? I don't know. I don't know your context. But, see, that's when people start dropping off, right? So, uh, but we're going to tie a couple of these things that I covered on Thursday that actually have to do with speech, right? Because it's going to connect this to the yappy dog, right? We want to avoid being a yappy dog, right? One is just making a shit ton of noise. And I, there's several reasons why we might be doing this, right? And I'm, I'm going to make this one personal. Normally I depersonalize because I always say, not you guys, because we're all enlightened. And, but you know what? Um, sometimes you need punched in the throat before you take uh, things seriously, right? And you're not going to let that happen again. Okay. Now, could you jump off because I pissed you off because you saw yourself in the in the description? Sure. Doesn't make it not true just because you ran away from the thing. Okay. Um, am I targeting you? No. I, 
I don't know who's on. I mean, well, I know the first couple of people that were on, but as the numbers go up, numbers go down or whatever, I don't know who's staying, who's jumping on, because I don't have the chat open, because as I said earlier, I'm worried about, you know, people hijacking the feed. So anyway, right? So in these 10 evils, um, uh, for those who got the worksheet, right, the one thing that I did not cover during that lesson, during that webinar, was at the far right of the worksheet, right, there, there, there were these numbers, right, on the left, and then there were these lines, right, where you filled in each of the 10, right? But at the end of each line, there's a space break and then a shorter line, okay? That wasn't a, that wasn't a, a computer glitch, typo, whatever, right? At the top of the, that column that's made up of the short lines, there's a couple of letters that are bolded, right? I think it said PMV or PVM or something like that, right? But there's a P, there's an M, and there's a V, okay? And all they represent is physical, mental, or verbal, right? So what what action? Because everything in Mikyo, everything in the in the esoteric doctrine can be reduced to these three aspects of ourselves. And so we're always channeling things, right? We're always... And here's the thing. I think I pointed this out in a previous uh, kudem, but we'll do it again because I don't want people to have to go fishing for things, right? So we have these, uh, I think the rest of them are at the dojo, but we have these things. And, I, and for those of you who are on um, on audio only, I apologize. You are going to have to do a little extra work, right? Um, go to Google and images and everybody knows, well, if you don't know what a Vajra is, right? They're these diamond thunderbolt kind of things. You recognize them in, in Tibetan Buddhism or why not, right? So for those of you who are watching, I'm holding, uh, in Japanese, this is called a goko, right? It's a goko because it's five-pointed. See, it? there's a center spire, and then there's four other ones that come together. They almost look like, I don't know, talons from a bird of prey or something like that. They're not, okay? Um, so, but there are, there are uh, versions of these that have one point, two point, three point, four point, Five point, nine point. Uh, there are ones that are crossed, right? Where you have one going in one direction, one going in another. Uh, they all have their own symbolism, right? But those of you who are doing a search, right? If you type in uh, Diamond Thunderbolt or Vajra and Japanese Sanko, right? Not not the coffee from the 70s, Sanka, right? Sanko, S-A-N-K-O. Okay, you will see the three-pointed version. Okay. Now, I, I pointed this out before. The way to tell the difference between the Tibetan versions and the Japanese version is that the Tibetan version, all the points connect. Okay. So for, for those of you who are, are looking, right, if I turn this edge on, right, the four that are coming around from the sides, right, they all point and touch the center spire, right? In the Japanese versions, they don't touch. They don't connect. Okay. Um, if you have a copy, I don't know. I'm still reorganizing my library from moving back in after the fire. But um, if you have a copy of the book, uh, Foundations of, no, that's not it. Um, Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism by uh, Chogyam Trungpa. Right? He's one, that's one of the mandatory books uh, for my students who are going through on the Mikyo path with me. Um, on the front of that book, right, there's, well, there's actually a four-pointed one on that one. Now I'm trying to remember where there's a three. It doesn't matter, right? Look up Sanko. You'll see the three-pointed version. I'm trying to hold this at a certain angle so it just looks like it's three-pointed, okay? The three-pointed Sanko, the three-pointed Vajra, right, 
um, actually represents the Sanitsu, the triple secrets of success. So what it's pointing to is that you have thought, word, and deed, and because they're all pointing at the same fixed point out just in front of that um, that center spire, right? What you're looking at is those those three activities, thought, word, and deed, are all channeled in the same direction toward the same goal, toward the same vision, toward the same outcome, toward the same result, okay? But what most people miss with these is that this is also built like a yin-yang. I know, doesn't look like a yin-yang, right? What I mean is it's two-sided, okay? So what the two-sidedness represents, especially with that sanko, right, that, that uh, vajra for the thought word indeed, is that you're always successful, always I don't care how disappointed you are with not attaining something earlier, yesterday, last week, today, whatever, okay? Um, you're always successful. But what you have is one side, right? There's a split here in the middle, right? There's one side that represents positive success. It is success built or created by intentional channeling of the three secrets, okay? Thought, word, and deed. And then you have a negative side. Okay. It is the, it is what happens when thought, whatever thoughts are going on and word, whatever words are going on and actions, whatever actions are going on come together to produce a given result. Karma, cause and effect. Okay. So, Here's the secret, or one of the secrets, in Nikyo. You're always successful. You're either successful intentionally, or you're successful accidentally. Okay? So here's an example of what most people wouldn't say is success, but it is. Okay? If I'm sitting around, and I don't know what to do with myself, right? And I'm thinking, oh, man, I wish I had something to do. I'm bored, whatever. And I might not be using those words in my head, but there's a feeling behind that, right? And then I might not be saying it out loud either. I might be not be going, oh, man, I wish I had something to do. I'm bored. But you hear the inflection, okay? And even if there are not articulate words going on, what you might hear is, what's wrong with you? Nothing. You sure? No, fine. Okay. And then your body language, right? Shoulders are slouched. You might be sitting in a chair all drooped or you're just kind of pacing around or whatever, right? And somebody walks by. See, because other human beings know what that looks like, right? They may not know what you're thinking on the inside, but they know what a bored sigh sounds like. How do they know? Well, they've heard how many in their lifetime. They've made how many. In their lifetime, they know what a bored, almost lifeless, slumped, bored body looks like. Right? It's a tell. Right? And so, you know, somebody walks by and goes, if you're bored, find something to do. Right? And what do we do? What's ego do? Ego pops up, changes everything, and goes, I'm not bored. What are you talking about? Okay? No, no. See, here's what happened. Right? 
either there were thoughts or there was an internal feeling, right? There's either a, I can't do what I always habitually do. And because I have such a limited toolbox of things I engage in or that interest me, and now I can't do them, right? Right? I don't have anything to do, right? Okay, you're bored, okay? We get it, right? And then you're making bored sounds. It's either exasperated size or it's saying the word or whatever. And then you're carrying your body a certain way. Well, congratulations. You're successfully bored. Okay? Um, let's say that I, um, I cannot control my sensual sense addictions. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, necessarily sex or, you know, watching porn or what, any, any addiction, right? Um, uh, you know, I love the taste of chocolate, man. If chocolate's available, I'm going to have it, right? Or chocolate chip cookie. That's not me. I'm, I'm not a sweets person. I know, contrary to popular uh, imagery, right? Just not how it was built, right? Um, but uh, so it could be that. It could be uh, certain types of music or video game. It's an addiction, right? If we have an addiction, if we have something that I get pissed off if I can't do it, when I'm doing something else, I'm dreaming about doing it. Um, I'm always talking to people about it. It's an addiction, right? We can't get our head off of it, okay? And um, I'm always looking around, right? Let, let's say I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just never satisfied with what I have, so I'm always looking for stuff that kind of stands out, catches my attention, whatever, right? And then, um, you know, so I'm then planning, right? I'm, I'm looking through things, right? Ooh. You know, I, I just got paid. Ooh, ooh, what can I buy now? Right. Um, I got this extra money. I, let's see. Let's see. Um, OK. Like, I really want that thing. OK. So like what I could do is like pay like half my bills this time. And then next time. Right. I know these these will they'll fall behind, but I can, you know, I'll leapfrog. Right. So next time I'll pay the past due and the current due of the ones I didn't do this time. And that frees up this money over here so I can do this thing. And then I, I go and do it, right? Well, congratulations. There's a reason you're successfully broke, right? Um, because we can't control our activities. We can't control our thoughts, words, and deeds. So here's the good news and the bad news. The good news is you're always successful. The bad news is, right, your thoughts, words, and actions produce results that are natural consequences of those thoughts, words, and deeds. Okay, um, you know we could be scattered, right? Dude, I've tried like four or five different things to to make money. I tried to start these businesses, or I tried to do this thing, or whatever, right? Uh, okay, well, are you able to stay focused? Like, are you, you know, are you able to? Um, like, keep your head on nothing else but that thing. Well, you know, I mean, you got to take time off, right? I mean, so, like, I enjoyed, like, playing video games. and I enjoyed, you know, doing this kind of thing. I like hanging out with my buds and whatever, right? Um, okay. Um, how often do you talk about it, right? I mean, do you have a plan? Did you, like, write it out? Okay. Do you have the steps broken down so that you have a plan that you can specifically follow? Well, like, it's, it's up here. Okay. For those of you on audio only, I just pointed at my head. Yeah. Okay. 
So no, I'll take that as a no, right? It, it's a vague, it's a vague wanna, right? And usually what people have is um, a picture of all the shit that they're going to have after they have the money, but they have no plan or process for making the money that's going to buy that dream or the time or the effort or whatever. Right. Okay, great. So um, like, you know, how, how often are you working on it? Like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm man, working my butt off. I had a guy that um, <laughs> went to the Noguchi seminar in Florida um, after he had been asked to leave my dojo after a uh, unsuccessful trip for him to Japan, because, uh, well, let's just say that uh, he exposed himself for the self-centered animal that he is. But anyway, um, uh, passes Godon test. I'm not here to say how or why or whatever, but anyway, first thing he did was come to the dojo to show me all this stuff to brag. Oh, well, that's cool, right? I'm great, fantastic, right? Um, yeah, he goes, yeah, 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 I got promoted, and I came right home, and I told my wife, I got to go to Japan right now. Well, why'd you need to go to Japan? I mean, were you going to, like, do more training? Oh, yeah, I trained. What? what okay. Like, how long did you go? Well, just a couple of days. But you just went to a seminar, and I know that they're on fixed income, okay? Um, so what ended up happening was he came home and flew to Japan to make sure they processed his paperwork for his rank, like, right away. And then the class that he went to, he went to one, right? He went so he could get a picture taken with uh, one of the new Sokai with his certificate. And then he flew home. So he spent thousands Right? And I said, wait, you went, you went to Japan for a couple of days to do that. How many classes did you do? Man, I had a lot to do. I, I had a lot. You didn't do anything other than probably pressure people to get the paperwork done because you need that to reinforce this image that you need to have. Okay. Well, that, you know, of course made me the bad guy even more, but I'm okay. I own that. Um, but either way, right? So, there's a, here's the good news, right? The good news is you're always successful, right? What we have to do is look at what results we produce, determine which ones were intentional and we want that, and which ones are a production of or a, a product of scattered thinking, scattered speech, scattered actions, or the product of of incoherent thought, word, and deed. What I mean by that is, like, I think one way, I speak another way, I don't plan or I don't plan well, and my actions are not consistent and cohesive, right? If all these things are not pointing in the same direction, we're not getting the quote-unquote magic that everybody else, that everybody's looking for when they hear about a program like this, okay? So either way, right? So we did this thing, and... I know I, I know I really turned off a bunch of people because I was talking about things that, like, well, this is everyday stuff. Well, yeah. If you can't take control of everyday stuff, how the hell are you going to take control of, like, quote, unquote, magic? And it's not magic, right? It seems like it's magic because the conventional mind has no idea how you got there. Okay? So, anyway, right? So, let's let's take a look at at the three uh, 
types of yappy dog that I just kind of decided I was just going to focus on these, right? Okay. So when we talk about yappy dogs, we, you know, we think about the, the dog that's just yapping, yapping, whatever, okay? But why is the dog yapping? Now remember, I'm using the dog as a simulacrum, right? He's a replacement. He's a stand-in for a certain personality type, okay? Because three different people could be barking and all sound the same, but it's not the barking. It's not the yapping. It's the intent or need or weakness or drive that manifests as this yapping. So why? Okay. So avoiding the yappy dog syndrome, right? What the hell is a syndrome? Okay. Well, syndrome is, it's either this big product of uh, certain kind of things that all come together, or it's on a personal level, it's certain character traits that become a habitual pattern. Okay. It's different than a disease. Okay. Everybody tends to understand disease, right? But if you go back to the original, was it Greek or Latin, right? With disease and break it down, what you're looking at is dis-ease. Okay. Things are out of sorts. Things are broken, right? And we need to get to the root cause so that we can, right? Put things right, right? But either way, right? I chose a word, right? So, um, let's, let's, let's look at three types of yappy dogs, right? One could be barking because he's just an angry little shit, right? He just, he knows he's little, right? He's not the big dog and it pisses him off. So you can't get near him, you know, whatever, because you're bigger than him. Anything that's bigger than him is just going to set him off because, it's it's a defense mechanism, right? But from this these ten evils, what we're looking at is malicious anger, right? Um, in the adult world or in the human world, we might call it the angry man syndrome, right? Just a person who life has not been good to them, and not necessarily because life hasn't been good. And I understand that people have had negative and a string of negative circumstances, right? If you know my backstory, right, uh, before I got out into the world. And then I took a job uh, in law enforcement so I could surround myself for most of my days, minus some, some days off, um, by the worst that, you know, society had to offer. That makes for a good v- vision of the human uh, condition. But anyway, um, take one of these people and, you know, just one bad turn after another. And eventually they just decide that people fucking suck. Right. And just people are going to disappoint them, whatever. If if a human being opens their mouth, they're lying, whatever. Right. And so they're just pissed off. Right. They're just. okay. And we talked about this in in a previous uh, episode. But if you've ever seen maybe it was on Thursday, maybe it was on Thursday. Um, If you've ever had a chance to watch the video, the self-produced or it was uh, independently produced. uh, It's called What the Bleep Do We Know? B-L-E-E-P. And the word bleep is actually spelled out in Greek mathematical characters, right? Because there's science behind this, right? Um, I highly recommend it. If you have not watched it, I highly recommend it. If you have watched it, go back and watch it again with more of an eye on 
not just, oh, that's interesting that the body or the brain or whatever does that, but look at it as a student who's collecting information about a process that you need to take control of instead of, well, I don't have any control over it. That's just what the body does. Okay. So, um, but in that, it explains the science of how our experiences, our thoughts, uh, what we determine our reality, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? Actually changes us down to the cellular level. Okay. So angry people, people that like jump to anger, like right away, right? There's actually an addiction to that. Okay. These endorphins are released, all kinds of cool stuff, right? Uh, well, maybe not for the recipients of, of the anger, right? But these people get jacked on being pissed off and telling people where to get off, right? So, but what ends up happening, see, again, down to the cellular level, right? So you probably learned all this stuff in like middle school or junior high school or high school science, but here's a little refresher, right? Our cells are always subdividing. Right. I mean, that's how we grow. Right. And cells subdivide because they're getting older. So they produce a new cell, whatever. Right. If you ever watch the mitosis and all that kind of stuff, right, where a cell splits down the middle and then you got two cells. Right. Like that little kind of that happens because I'm not that small. But anyway. Right. Um, the newly produced cell. Is called a sister cell. OK. So remember that piece. Right. But. On our cells, we have these, again, layman's terms, docking ports for these things that are produced by the hypothalamus, right? For these chemicals and these connectors, right? They carry information. They're called peptides. I have weird hobbies, don't I? Anyway, the peptides are emotional stimulators, okay? So we see something in the world could be pleasurable, could be a long lost family member, could be somebody that always says the same shit. They're going to piss me off again, whatever. Right. So the amygdala, based on level of threat or whatever, sends a signal to the hypothalamus. Right. It does its thing, drops these peptides along with epinephrine, uh, uh, a whole bunch of other chemicals. Right. Adrenaline and stuff like that into the blood system to get your state to change. Okay, so the stuff goes into your bloodstream. Your blood is the only thing in your body that touches every other part of your body. Right. So be careful. Right. Be careful what you put on your skin, whatever. Right. Uh, If you're a heavy lotion person, perfumes, whatever. uh, Be careful because whatever you put on your skin ends up in your bloodstream and your bloodstream. Your blood is the only thing that touches every other part of your body. Right. Anyway, so stuff goes into your bloodstream and then. It finds its way to your cells, and then your cells have these docking ports, right? And in a balanced person, there's a, just like your taste buds, there's a balanced number of these things, so it's easy to shift and change states, okay? So you can be appropriate for a situation, okay? So let's say the person's angry, right? So these anger peptides, again, again, you're right, just bear with me, right? Anger peptides come in, plug in, and then your whole state changes, Cellular level. This is not just mental. This is why it's very difficult to change habits by just willing yourself to do it. Okay. And that's the secret within Nikyo, right? You got to do it internally 
You have to do it with a bridge because there's vibrational kind of stuff that goes on. And you have to do it by acting out the new thing that you want to be doing. Well, I can't do that. That's not me. Well, no shit. But what I'm hearing is you don't want to be you. You want to be this new version of you that's able to do those things. Well, you can't keep doing what you're doing and be the new version. It just doesn't work that way, Papa. Okay? Or whatever nickname you want to have, right? So <laughs> I thought a really funny one, but I won't spit it out. Anyway, right? So here's the thing, right? The state that we're in the most often or states that we're in the most often your cells are not equipped for all that, right? Your, your body is awash with all these peptides, but the cells can only take so many because there's only so many ports. But the human body, the human system is very, very adaptable. If that weren't true, people wouldn't live in bumfuck North Dakota and freeze three quarters of the year or uh, whatever, right? But we're a hardy bunch, as they say, right? Um so it's very, very adaptable. Whatever you, whatever condition you're in on a regular basis, your body adapts to that very, very quickly, which is why it's important to change up your habit patterns or switch things on a regular basis if you're working on being, quote, unquote, awake. Okay. So anyway, so what happens is because the body has, has to kind of get into that state, it's going to adapt itself to be able to get into this condition that you're in a lot so you can get there faster. So when it makes sister cells, when the cells subdivide, the sister cells have more docking ports for the emotional peptides that you've told your body you need to be in more, stronger, and faster. So if you have habits, they're wired especially ones that are uh, the sense pleasures and things like that, or these, these negative habits or whatever, right? We have engineered ourselves down to a cellular level to be this way. Okay. Again, up to this point, it's accidental, which is why in the 18 preparatory steps in Mikyo, there is a meditative thing, right? There's this meditation that you do where it's called words of, um, words of confession, but it's not like, you might think in a Western sense, right? Um, it just means that up to this point, I've done the best I can with what I have. And I've ended up, you know, sowing seeds of negative thought, word, and deed. I wish to acknowledge and atone for all. Okay? What is atonement? Okay? It's not saying I'm sorry. That's not atonement. Atonement is doing things differently so you don't produce the same, the same mistakes. When you atone for your sins, that's not apologizing. It's not that you don't. It's not that you don't have remorse. But if you continue to act the same way, then you have not atoned. Okay? So what it, what this whole practice basically means is that up to this point, I've done the best I can with what I have or with what I know or whatever. This is what I produced. Now I know better and or am learning better. I have different tools and whatnot. So moving forward, I'm going to do things differently, right? Which should produce different results. And, but here's the thing. I have to maintain sustained practice. This haphazard shit of I'll meditate today, but not for another week and a half or for another month and a half, or I'll practice today, but, um, you know, 
uh, I can only practice on Sundays and Mondays. Well, guess what? Between Monday and the next Sunday, because we've gone past three or four days, the body resets itself from all the benefits we got out of whatever that practice method was. It just, we lose it. Okay. Um, let's say we're working out, right? Um, if you don't work out every two to three days, uh, within a week, you have lost 4% of the muscle mass you gained from the initial workout. Okay. So within no time at all, you can be back to where you started or worse. Okay. So anyway, right. So this is, this is a, this is a, uh, an active recreation, literally, right? But not, not if we just take these things as interesting facts or things that ego is going to grab a hold of and regurgitate, right? Um, so it can sound like it knows what it's doing. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, nothing's changed and the fence posts are falling down, right? So anyway, right? So again, there's this, there's this um, malicious anger, right? There's this person just pissed off. Right. And they're using it to do harm. Right. They're, they're using it to do harm. Right. Um, and that kind of plays into another one that uh, it's, the, it's the yappy dog who is. It's not they're not barking just to bark. Right. Or they're not barking just to uh, not being defensive or, you know, again, this angry kind of thing. Right. But this one's going out of its way, right? It'll chase shit down, right? I have one that'll chase a freaking car. Every once in a while, we walk in the dog, and all of a sudden, it'll bolt after a freaking car. What the hell, dude? Right? It's not a dog. It's not a whatever, right? It goes after squirrels. My dog will face down big freaking dogs that would kill him in an instant, right? He's a rescue. So I have no idea what his life was like before us. He's a great dog normally, but... Man, he will not. Like, he takes any other animal as a freaking challenge. Okay? Well, it's not necessarily bad. I can see myself doing that. Well, why? Why? Well, I'm not sitting in my place and, you know, just, you know, nobody's asking you to. Okay? But if we're always going defensive, or we're acting out of a sense of, I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself. I have to prove myself. That's already a sign that there's a recognition that there's a, a lack going on inside. But see, if I don't step up, then people might think that I'm weak and I can't let that happen. Right. Because people's perception of me is like more important than anything. Right. I can't appear weak. OK, well, the operative word there is appear right because you wouldn't need to worry about what you look like if you didn't feel different than that if you weren't if you were comfortable in your own skin wouldn't be happening right but in the in the 10 evils right there's this uh one harsh violent speech right like when I tell somebody, right, you were wrong, man, and and here's why, and right, so we're we're trying to we're trying to harm them, right, but I don't know that it's it's so much that we're trying to harm them, it's that we need to look like we got our shit together and our shit doesn't stink, and like 
how could you be so freaking stupid? Or, and we have no idea what kind of damage we're doing, right? Or we never consider, just like the little dog, never considers, right? I know they're going to give it their best shot, but they never consider who the hell they're barking at or what they're barking at, okay? People, you know, road rage and all kinds of bullshit, and they never give any any thought to the fact that that guy just might have, you know, his wife might have just served him with divorce papers. She's taken the kids. He's lost his job and all that. And he was going to go kill himself. Right. But you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to take you out first because you're a dick and you're just an example of one of these people in the world. You get the idea. Right. It's like people that will step out into a crosswalk um, just assuming that people have to stop. See, th- this personality, it's all about them, right? So um, they're going to step out. And if somebody says, hey, there's a car coming, <laughs> insurance is too expensive, uh, they got to stop, it's the law, uh, what, yeah, what if they can't? What if they're in the middle of a heart attack or a stroke and they have no control over the vehicle? So they can't see far enough, they can't see big enough because all that matters is that they're perceived as invincible, right? So... Um, they need to establish dominance, right? One's pissed off, one's defensive, one's on the water realm uh, of the mandala, right? This other one is on the fire realm. It's all about appearances, okay? And then there's this other yappy dog that doesn't know when the hell is shut up, okay? They've got to, they either can't stand being alone in silence with themselves or they're, always so worried about what everybody's thinking about them so they got to fill in the void right you can't go more than 10 seconds before or let's say i'm going to one of my daughters uh well let's see she's in grad school now so she has an event i go right and uh, you know going i'm hanging out with her and i'm in a room full of doctors and lawyers and judges and she's going to georgetown right did a really great job and she almost has a not quite a free ride, but um, let's just say that uh, while I'm perfectly fine hanging out with CEOs, that's not the people I hang out with every day, right? So all these people, right? And so, how you doing? My name is Jeff Miller. Trinity's dead. How are you? Great. Having a good time? Fantastic. Okay. Um, But there's one thing where you're mingling or uh, typically I'm going to be the one standing and just watching. My wife calls it cop eyes, right? It's kind of looking around and watching people do people things, right? And um, uh, so, but you have these people that like uh, 10 seconds can't go by in a room where they're strangers without them having to, how about them Yankees? You think it might rain? (laughs) There's this sense of discomfort Right. But the other one that fits into this in this round, these these are a water realm. or I'm sorry, wind realm kind of character leads over there where they're just really, really scattered. But. Because they feel a lack of substance, they're always talking about what they're going to do. They're always talking about oh, that should happen to me, man. You know what I do? And they'd spell the whole thing out, whatever. Right. Um, or they're embellishing or making up stories or whatever, right? You tell them something, 
uh, somebody mentions something, oh, yeah, yeah, I've done that. And, and then they'll tell you, you know, how much bigger, better, faster, whatever uh, it was that they did and, and whatnot, uh, you know, but not a whole lot to show behind it, right? Oh, wow, that's, that's pretty cool, right? Oh, yeah, I got a gun. I'll shoot somebody in the face. You have one? Yeah. Let me see it. Well, well, I don't have it with me. Uh, you know, it's, it's at home in my, in my dresser, right? Really? Mine are right here. Okay. And for those of you on audio only, I didn't show a gun. Okay. Um, my techniques are always with me. Right. So, but there's, there's always this thing, right? There's this, this, you got the braggart, you got the, you know, they've got one cool story that they're always telling it. Oh, not that one again. Jesus Christ. Right. But they won't shut up. Right. And I know I talk when you guys are encountering me, what you encounter is the guy that's talking a lot because I'm doing a podcast. I'm on whiteboard Wednesday. I'm teaching classes, whatever. Okay. Try hanging out my family side where my wife is trying to like pull words out of me. Right. You, you never seem to give anything to say, baby. I love you, but I teach for a living, which means at the end of my day, I am tired of hearing the sound of my own voice. But if I don't teach this stuff and pass it on, I have to hope that people are going to get it the right way from somebody. So anyway, it's part of my nature. So, but anyway, right? So there's another one of those 10 evils, right? It's scattered, frivolous speech, right? We're just blah, 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 okay? And in Mikyo, there's two ways to bleed off energy, right? And lose it. Because we're, we're like a battery, right? There's ways to maintain a charge longer. There's breathing and there's there's like five. Like, I, I should do a, a I could do a webinar on that. Five ways to generate and maintain um, energy. People want to want to know how I function on three to five hours of sleep a night, and I just keep going all day long. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, so sorry. Side thought. <laughs> A squirrel. Anyway, um, no, hopefully it wasn't a squirrel because it, it matches what we're talking about. Um, there's two ways to bleed off energy, right? I'm going to assume that you want to know what they are. Okay. One is through your mouth. Blah, 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 blah. And the other one is at your base chakra. You know what that is? It's at your tailbone. Okay. It's sitting on your ass for too long and the energy bleeds out. You ground yourself too far and then you just go sluggish okay so again just basic physiology right so one we want to avoid being a yappy dog but on the other hand we want to avoid yappy dogs why Two big reasons. One, your subconscious doesn't know the difference between when you use the word I am, I do, I feel, whatever, and somebody else in earshot uses it. Okay? And so if you surround yourself with people like this, then you are not maintaining what you're not being mindful of one of the eight conditioners 
for enlightened living that comes out of the foundational teachings, which is right livelihood. Most people translate incorrectly right livelihood as having the right job, making enough money, what you do for a living. No, it's also where you live, the environments you choose to put yourself into, right? The self-created environments or whether or not you stay in one or whatever, which is why after seven years I got out of law enforcement. It was affecting my mind too much. I got to a point where I actually believed that every human being was a criminal. I just needed to wait long enough for them to mess up. How fucked up is that? Okay. Um, I, I remember where I was the night that I was thinking about this stuff, and all of a sudden I had what's in Nikyo is called a turning in the seat of consciousness, where I had this shift. I mean, this feeling came over me, and I heard a lesson that my teacher taught me that had to do with me deciding what my perspective would be, me having control. And I'd heard this lesson like dozens of times, but I, I, I just was so I was watching human beings be normal human beings and it just kept going down and down. And all of a sudden, like that, that clicked. Right. So, uh, again, we want to be careful, right? So I want to be careful, not just, Well, two reasons, right? So one is I got to be careful hanging out around people like this because we end up consciously or unconsciously picking up the character traits of the people we hang around with the most often. Okay. Show me your five closest friends. I'll show you your, I'll show you your future. And I also recognize that you are the average of that group of five. Unless you're the leader, you're the average. Okay, so in, uh, from that speech that Denzel Washington had done, and again, I'm paraphrasing this thing, right? If you find yourself in a room with um, five well-dressed people, you'll be the sixth. If you find yourself in a room with five really classy, upstanding people, you'll be the sixth. Maybe not right away, but eventually, because one, they're not going to let you hang out, and two, um, you're going to change your habits because of who you hang out with, Right. Uh, if you find yourself in a room with uh, five millionaires, you'll be the sixth. You find yourself in a room with uh, five people who are uh, who have crappy attitudes, uh, walk around in ripped clothing, and barely take baths, uh, you'll be the sixth. Because okay? either they're attracted to you because that's how you are, or you will elevate or denigrate yourself consciously or unconsciously to match the baseline. Okay? That's not opinion. Okay? It's just it's just the way it is, right? So anyway, um, I'm going to take a quick minute here, uh, not even a minute, right? Uh, so for those of you who did not get the email about uh, or follow-ups and you didn't make it for the, the class on Thursday, right, um, this is a black-and-white version of the old um, uh Workbook, one of the workbooks, right? This is, uh, I used to have these things numbered and, and laid out differently. So I've, I've re-engineered a program. So if you've gone through this before, I've, I've completely re-engineered 
uh, this program called the first seven steps of a Buddha. And again, what's a Buddha? It's an enlightened one. It's one who is awake. It's one who, based on clarity and observation and understanding, can see things for what they are, not what we want them to be, not what we wish them to be, not what we hope that they will be, not what we've deluded them, deluded ourselves to believe that they are. We can see that person, experience, object, whatever, for what it is. And it's one who's awake to understanding how things work, natural principles and concepts, natural laws, universal truth, that kind of stuff, not dogma. Right. Not rules of. Okay, we're this fill in the blank with a brand name. Right. So we believe this. No, no, no. Okay, it's it's not that. Right. So um, what we have is uh, the whole program is based on this story uh, from way back uh, with the historical Buddha's birth. And again, Buddha is not a a substitute for Christ or whatever. Okay, Um, again. It was, it was, I was a man. It's part of why I can relate to this stuff because I'm a human being, okay? I'm not divinely ordained and you know, whatever, okay? Not to say that there's not a divinity with me or anything. I, I just, I don't go into those kind of things. So, um, but part of the birth story, part of the myth, or this legend, um, is that when he was born, um, his mother, he was born with his, his mother was standing up, right? holding on to the limb of this tree and he was born standing up and walking. Right. And with his first seven steps, he took uh, the first seven steps that he took a lotus flower grew up under each step so that he didn't have to touch the, the dirt of the, of the ground, right. Of the earth. So in Mikyo, when we enter the ritual space, there are seven steps between this, this threshold and where you will sit to do your active meditation. You take seven steps and with each step, you envision a lotus flower growing up under your foot. You're, you're quite figuratively, figuratively or, or symbolically walking in the footsteps of this person who went from every day, same shit, you know, whatever to waking up, and understanding, right? So everything in Mikyo, everything is important. No thing doesn't matter, right? So everything. There's even a mudra mantra and whatnot for going to the bathroom, okay? Uh, I know that's weird, right? Except that if you understand and you haven't, you can get past the, that's dirty, right? Um, It's one of the first ways to know whether an illness is coming on. If you just take a second, turn around and look. Hydration, dehydration, sugar's too high, uh, whatever. Okay, um, but most people, I'm, I'm not looking. I was, oh, oh, oh. Okay, well, okay. But again, are we awake or are we in denial? And I don't mean the river in Egypt. You get the idea. Anyway, right? So um, we're we're I'm rebooting this thing, reorganizing it because I wrote this. Let's see. This original copyrights in the book here, I think. I originally put this program together. Holy crap. The, oh, well, let's just say that the, they, they long since changed the area code for my, for my area. Um, <laughs> decades ago. 
1998 is when I first put this program together. 1998. So it's, it's time for an update. And this program was originally designed to make sure that all students who were going to be continuing on on the Mikio path with me had the requisite understanding of the of the uh, exoteric or conventional lessons that everything in Mikio visualization word word to your mother um, or action right was symbolic of right so anything. A syllable, spoken syllable, represents an entire teaching. A gesture represents this big thing, right? Uh, just like an art, right? A picture or a statue, a sculpture, whatever, right, uh, is worth 10,000 words, that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing where everything is condensed and, and constructed. So anybody that's doing that um, has to go through that. Or if they come to me with their, but I've been studying this stuff for years and well, great. Okay. You and I will set up a Zoom meeting. Okay. And we'll waive the course if I can give you a verbal test. And without looking things up, you can explain them sufficiently so that you could take that first step on the third phase of the path. So the first seven steps is actually a combination of the first two stages on the path um, as they would have developed historically. Nikyo is known as the uh, third turning of the wheel of the law. So it's this third phase of things, right? Anyway, um, not, I, I'm just not taking chances, and I've had enough bullshitters in my life that, uh, no, I'm not handing a gun to somebody who just, they're gonna, they want to do it because they feel like they're, they're going to miss out on something, right? But they don't want to do the prerequisite work. They just want to do the, let's just cut to the chase and get to the magic. Now, you want to produce magic? Pay attention to what you need to pay attention to, right? Control your speech, right? Um, control your thought processes and how you plan and how you direct your energies and control your actions and your activities, right? You want to be an enlightened one, then think, speak, and act like that, right? And I don't mean the way ego thinks they do. It's kind of like most people that resent the wealthy, right? Well, they must have cheated, yeah, well, you know what? Poor people are more likely to cheat than rich guys. Okay, so and I know it sounds like I'm on that side, but I'm not, right? Is there corruption? I mean, there's 20 percent. 20 percent of any group is corrupt. Okay, but what people think of about getting money and having that much and whatever, right? Um, they they don't understand that there's a whole different way of thinking about it. Okay? And this is not about like living off the sweat of, uh, you know, if you don't want to be the sweat cog, then develop the knowledge and or come up with an idea that other people will pay you for. And you'll, you'll be the richest motherfucker in the room. Okay. But sitting around bitching and complaining about it is just frivolous speech and it's malicious anger. And it's what else? Do I mean? Harsh, violent speech. If you're calling other people names and shit like that instead of doing the work, the same work that they did or whatever to, to make things happen. Right. So anyway, so uh, we are starting that program in a couple of weeks. But but right. Uh, I just finished up the Sanji Chichi Dobon program right, that, that we did for it was supposed to be a 10 week course turned into a 15 week course because we needed the extra time for students to fully develop things. So we did that. Um, 
so this is a next natural step for those guys that want to head toward Nico. Um, but, and I'm, you know what, let me do this. Let me post a, I'm going to put the uh, information page in the chat and I'm not going to talk about this very, uh, for very long. I'm almost done here. I'm just going to post this in the chat. So you have it if you want to go look. Um, but I put a whole bunch of extra bonuses in there and there are three fast action bonuses, one of which, uh, will actually happen this Thursday night at eight o'clock. Um, so it's two weeks ahead because, um, I'm doing this one this Thursday. Next Thursday, I'm going to be out in the ocean going on a vacation, taking my grandson on, uh, on his first little cruise. We're only doing three days, but we're going for, I think, five because of travel time. Um, so I can't do it then, right? So the week after is when we'll be starting this thing. But for the people that want to take fast action, um, one of those, Things right. So if you're signed up for the program by 5 p.m. Eastern this Thursday at 8 p.m., I'm going to be doing a teaching on the first of a five-step Nikyo practice that actually has to do with psychological self-defense. Okay, and so uh, everybody will learn a mantra, a mudra. There's a whole teaching behind it and all that, um, and it is a one-time and it's only for the, this is the only time I've ever taught this outside of my inner circle, my, my, my private Mikio students. And it's, again, it's the first phase of a, our first step of a five or first part of a five part kind of thing. Never taught this before. And I'm only doing it for folks that are on this program. After that, I may teach it down the line as a, a, a as a program in and of itself, but um, this will give those folks who are seriously interested in that kind of thing um, a serious head start on, on kind of understanding what Mikio practice is like and how that's different from um, what other people are doing. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that because I'm not here to do, uh, you know, sales or whatever. Um, okay, so I, I, I do want to kind of I'm going to jump off the yappy dog thing here. And I want to take a look at a couple of quotes because I want to talk about because we're, we're on this idea of speech, right? There are a couple of bullshit quotes that are floating around, right? People misusing their power of speech. Um, and one, they're just regurgitating. They're just repeating or echoing back shit that they heard somebody else say. Sounded good, right? Um, so they're just going to say it because it sounded cool, right? Or it makes them sound like they know something. But generally speaking, the way these things are understood is they're either knocking somebody else, putting somebody else down, what we discover, malicious, harsh, whatever. Um, but what they actually mean has been lost. Okay? And if we actually knew what was being pointed to, one, we would be very mindful about how we say and when we say them. And two, they'll never mean the same thing ever again. Okay. But before we do that, uh, since I have the chat open, let's see who else is on here. So let's see, I already, uh, hopefully you guys are still on. So Dave Fletch, good evening. Uh, Florida Budos, that's Victor. Hey dude. So Victor's actually already signed up. Victor signed up on Thursday. Um, Jimmy, 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 Komawa. Um, I don't know who Intu is. Hi. Hola. As they would say in Japan, if you're a Spanish speaker in Japan. Um, 
<laughs> That's one of my standing jokes. Anyway, I only see uh, uh, one of the Facebook pages and one of the and then uh, from, the, from the YouTube channel. But either way, so uh, if anybody has any questions or comments about anything that I've covered, even if you think I'm full of shit, um, by all means, feel free to post it. I've got broad shoulders. Okay. And I'll teach you about anything that I don't have direct experience about. So no conjecture here, right? Um, and no scattered, frivolous speech. And we get on these things, I'm teaching these things for a reason. And uh, if you get benefit from it, great. Okay. Then you had, uh, you got value and you made good action by showing up, right? If you keep showing up because you got nothing better to do or um, you're afraid you're going to miss out on something or, who knows, right? You come and you listen to this stuff and you tell everybody else, you know, what kind of shit it was tomorrow. Whatever, right? But to me, that's just wasted time, effort, energy, right? That you could be using to produce more powerful results in your life. Again, maybe that's just me. Or maybe it's stuff that my teacher told me. Anyway, all right. So, um, I'll come back and check to see if there are any questions afterwards, because, again, for those of you who checked in late, uh, James is wrapping up a project this week, and so he'll be back on full-time next week. Uh, but I am host and chief cook and bottle washer and producer and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so here's one for you, right? Um, those who know do not say. Those who say do not know. Right? People often uh, use that as a slander toward um, people who are teaching, right? Like, if you really knew, dude, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say anything. Hmm, interesting. I just got this weird message on my computer. I hope my power supply is not dying. Let's see, are we charging now? Okay, well, I don't know what... Hopefully, if everything goes black, well, um, I, unless a plane flies into my home office here and smashes into my face and takes everything else out, then it was my power supply dying. Anyway, so um, this is kind of uh, goes along with the one that's uh, those who can do and those who can't teach. Okay, so let's let's take the first one, right? Those who know do not say; those who say do not know. Okay, what this has to do with is is communication, right? Right speech. But what it has to do with is understanding what can be explained and what cannot be explained. Okay? So in Mikyo, right, truth is divided into kind of three different places. Okay? A lot of people like to talk about their personal truth and whatnot, but Again, the practice is about getting our personal truth. I'm making air quotes for the for the audio guys. Um, opinions, views, beliefs, or whatever, as closely to to be in line as closely as possible to ultimate truth. You'll know that that's happening because, like the shit and the grating that life produces when we're out of sync with it, diminishes. Now, certain pain you can't make go away because we will age. We get ill, right? We will die. Those kind of things, right? I know. Ego doesn't like to think about those things because it has already assumed itself. God. But it's not. So there's that. 
Um, but the, besides the personal truth, right, there's conventional truth and there's ultimate truth. Okay. Conven- and, and I'm just giving you a quick, this, this is a quickie quickie, right? The way to know the difference between the two, and this is not because of a lack of knowledge or intelligence, right? <coughs> conventional truth. If something falls into the realm of conventional truth, it is easily described using words, using spoken or written language. Okay. And what I mean is when you explain it, you can explain it in, in detail and clarity. Okay. If something is in the realm of ultimate truth, it cannot be easily explained or clearly explained in written or spoken language. Okay. It has to be experienced. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a conventional truth element to it, but it's just something that has to be experienced. Okay. So on the mandala, there's a whole realm, there's a whole side of one of the mandala that have to do with uh, intellectual knowledge, book smarts, right, whatever. Right? On the other side, the extreme opposite side, there's experiential knowledge, okay? street smarts, call it, right? When both of these things line up about the same topic, right, they're equal about the same topic. Okay, so I can explain this side of it, but I have experience with it. Okay, when they're equal, then the center column of that mandala fires, and that's the realm of enlightenment, right? Because we we know it as far as understanding it, how it works, the science of how it works, or whatever, right? But we also have real world experience with it. Okay. Some people have real-world experience, but they make lousy teachers because they can't explain how it works or they can't, they can't help somebody who is not like them, right? I don't know, man. I just do this and it works, so just, just do that. But, but why does that work? Why not do it like that? Dude, just look, do it, okay? But then you have all these university professors and whatnot that if, let's say, somebody that, that uh, teaches uh, business in college or university, right? Never run a business. Okay. Some have, but most have not. So they can teach you all, all kinds of things and you're running through exercises about like, okay, we're going to make this fictional product. It's called a widget and then we're going to price it and we're going to put it in the, in the, uh, in, out in the market and we're going to market it and advertise it and stuff like that. We're going to make so many sales and right. Um, but they've never run a business. Okay. So they know all the principles, all the concepts, how to, how to, you know, create an LLC, how to create a, how that's different from a C corporation, how it's different from an S corporation, uh, all the, you know, whatever, right? The benefits and, and they can teach on tax and whatever, but they've never run one. Okay. When you have somebody that's smart and they have experience with what they're smart in, okay, you have a completely different animal. I'll explain that here in, in just a minute, right? Make a different reference. Okay. So this, those who know do not say and those who say do not know, is pointing to, and this actually came out of Lao Tzu, right? The, the way of life. Okay. What he's, what, what he was talking about in there is ultimate truth. So if you're, blah, 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 right? Blabbing about trying to explain ultimate truth and you're not using symbols, you're not using parables, you're not using references or symbolism or whatever, 
that act as an expedient, and you're clear about that. Look, this is an example that's kind of like it, but like this will point you in the right direction, but you're going to have to do this for yourself. It's kind of like me demonstrating a technique, right? Oh, it looks pretty straightforward. He stepped forward with his right foot. He stuck his right hand behind the guy's upper arm, and he put his other hand, and then he just kind of walked around and twisted. And then you get in there, and you do it, and you go, shit, what do you do again? Because intellect's not matching up with experience yet, okay? So anyway, right? So it's about somebody trying to bullshit their way through explaining things like enlightenment or a lot of these things that that's why you have an example, right? A kata is an example of a fight potential and options given certain variables, right? Well, why do I have to learn it? Because there's a shit ton of lessons buried in there that we learn the form so that you can duplicate it and then you can tune your mind to certain aspects of it to recognize it, but you're not going to fight with the kata. The kata is not the fight. The dojo is not the fight environment. Right? So there's, there's lots of different training methodologies that we have to use that will allow us to hint at and get experience with pieces of a fight if you've never been in one. Okay? And I, I say fight because people keep saying, well, that, a fat old bald guy, it's obvious he's never been in a street fight. Eh, I've been in a couple. Okay? But let's not confuse a street fight with being a federal cop or an undercover guy or whatever who has to take out a fucking terrorist right, or wrestle down a trained killer with an extra five or ten pounds of gear on him, including a three or four pound sidearm, that if this jack wagon gets a hold of it, the least of my concerns is him shooting me. What's he going to do with it after he takes it? Or any other thing that's on my utility belt, right? Not Batman's utility belt, but you get the idea, right? So, um, yeah, I'm okay with you thinking that I've never been in street fights, okay? Because not understanding what I'm what I'm teaching from the perspective that I'm teaching and the considerations that I'm telling somebody who's training for street survival, bad shit, not two assholes who need to be right, deciding to duke it out so one can have bragging rights and the other one can shut the hell up. Not the same. Or who's going to leave the ring after three or five two-minute rounds or five-minute rounds or whatever with a belt, a trophy, a check, the girl. what Not the same. Not the same. Okay? But, again, the, 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 the yappy dogs need to say something because it reinforces who they need to be. What they don't understand is that the big dogs listen to what they're saying and know what's going on behind the words, what's going on behind the barking. Big dogs can recognize big dogs. They sit around having a good time or chat or whatever. Nobody talks about their, their fight conquest. Nobody talks about whose teeth they punched in last week, whatever. It's kind of like lawyers sitting around. Unless they're in court, don't talk about law. I'm off, dude. Okay? So anyway, right? So it's not about... Shutting down a teacher. Oh, you 
again, that leads over to the teacher, right? Those who can do, those who can't teach. Well, then explain to me this guy who just passed away not too long ago. Was he 91, 99, something like that, right? His name was Nick, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Bulletieri. He was a world-renowned tennis coach, right? He started one of the first tennis camps, I guess, right? Uh, or these, uh, uh, not, not a resort, right? It's an academy where people want to be tennis pros go to, right? This guy did tennis in college for one season, but spent the rest of his life being one of the most highly paid and highly respected tennis coaches who produced world champions. How the fuck is that possible? Well, it's possible because he wasn't paid to teach tennis. He hired coaches who could make, help you make your your serve better or your stance better or your backhand better or whatever, right? His his key was the mental game, getting you to see yourself as something that was far beyond just being a tennis champion. That's what he got paid for. That's why he was famous. But what was he known as? He was known as the one of the top tennis coaches or, you know, produced the most uh, tennis champions or whatever um, in the world in his bunch of decades career, right? Except that he didn't teach tennis very well, right? He didn't play very well. Right? The people that go on, like, like the ones that post on my videos, right? I can't take you seriously if you're not doing things at speed. Dude, you've obviously never fucking done things at speed. The stuff that I'm showing, parts of people's bodies snap. This is not knocking somebody out for bragging rights, okay? Or um, uh, I can't take you seriously because uh, of your gut. Well, it's a good thing that the multimillionaire professional athletes in basketball, football, or whatever don't hold their coaches to the same standard. Because I'm betting they could run circles around or pass or tackle or whatever. Their coaches, right? But that's not what they have their coaches for. The coaches are good at strategy. The coaches are good at being able to teach them how to dominate a, a thing, right? The coach is good at being able to, to dissect the, the other team's strategies and things like that, right? The, the head coach gets paid to unify, unify and motivate and educate and whatnot the team. But what does the coach have? He has a coaching staff that are part motivator, part educator, right? That guy, right? He's taking control of the, the, the uh, extra point kicking team. This guy over here is doing whatever, right? So again, it really, what people have is a snapshot image of perfection to them. So if you're not impressing me based on my conditions, and in the martial arts world, self-defense world, oh, people are so jacked and wrapped around physical image, okay, that I wouldn't be surprised if most of these guys, if they heard about somebody becoming uh, crippled, right, losing a leg or something, that they didn't use words like this. Oh, man, dude, I ever lose an arm or a leg, just fucking kill me. Because it's all about image, right? Everything is wrapped around 
what they look like because they need to be the impressive one in the room. They need to be the Adonis in the room. They need to be whatever, right? So they knock the smart guy because, well, I'll kick his ass, right? They knock the compassionate guy. Well, you're just a freaking pussy. But whatever, right? It's just not, okay? Again, in that, in the, in the first seven steps, uh, path or, uh, program, right? I'm going to be going over this set of five parts of a human, right? That we, that we can, we can identify. Because if you can identify it and prove with evidence that it exists and you understand the functions that are there, then you can work with them. You can hone them. Okay? So, hint, we're not going to be talking about soul. Doesn't mean you don't have one. Okay? It means that you can't work with it conventionally. Okay? Because it's you, the core of you. Okay? And in different, different areas, different religions or whatever, it's either this fixed thing or it's the, the product of these other things haphazardly working together or hopefully synergistically working together. Right. So anyway, um, uh, in the dojo, right. I'm speaking of the fight thing, right. Uh, in one of my teachers dojos, we used to differentiate between and be very, very clear about the difference between the high school bar fight mentality, call it street fight, call it whatever you want, that kind of thing. Right. And the warrior dealing with killers mentality. Okay. In one case, you could get you could get hurt, you could die, you could whatever. Okay, you could also go to jail. In the other case, you screw this up. Your family may better look good in black because you're dying, right? Or somebody that you care about dies because you didn't or couldn't act. The consequences are completely different. Right? But I'm not here to talk about consequences. Let's tie these things together I was just talking about with the types of teachers, okay? We're just going to look at three different types. None of them are right or wrong. They are right or wrong for different types of students, but they bring different things to the table, okay? And I'm working off the mandala. This is the enlightened view of, based on almost 3,000 years, not counting the pre- stuff that that came in right especially with the mikio stuff this stuff goes so on the buddhism side we're going back 2500 plus years just from siddhartha Gautama's time right his 40 plus year um teaching thing but once mikio kicked in and they brought in a lot of other stuff that could could really enhance things and bring it up and was based on the same ideas but they predated the Brahmanic stuff that Buddhism was a reformation to, right? Um, so we're going back to the, to the Vedas, to the Upanishads, that kind of stuff, right? Way back. We're thousands, right? Thousands of years of people producing results with this stuff. So what I'm talking about here is taking a look at the intellect side, knowledge side, right? I know how to do this thing, right? The experiential side and where those two come together. Um, and, and not just overlap. It's not an overlap. They bleed into each other, right? 
So again, for those of you on audio only, that clap was me bringing my hands together, one being one side, one being the other, and then bringing them together. So anyway, so let me just very, very quickly describe three different types of teachers, and then I'll take some questions, and then we'll wrap this up. Okay? All right. So um, one is somebody who has gone through a martial arts or self-defense program, right, and learned the lessons. They got their certification. Uh, they got their belts, whatever, right? But they've never been in a real knockdown, drag out kind of thing. And I don't care if it was for survival or uh, fist fight or whatever. Okay. Um, and they got into it for whatever. Okay. This person knows the art. They know the lessons. They know the techniques. Cool stuff. Fantastic. Right. Okay. So that's what, that's the perspective they're going to teach from. Okay. If they're coming at it from any base of integrity respect, uh, you know, whatever, they're going to admit, look, my only experience was maybe in a, in a tournament ring or whatever, but that's all I'm basing this stuff off of. Or, you know what, I learned all this stuff and it's worked in the dojo and we sparred and stuff like that, but I've, I've never faced somebody that if I screwed this up, I was going to die. Okay. So as long as they're clear, the student knows what they're getting, no harm, no foul. Okay. On the other side, right, we've got military or street guys or whatever, right? Got into a shit ton of fights growing up, um, whatever, right? No formal training, no formal techniques. Um, I would even throw a lot of uh, MMA guys and stuff like that into the into the mix because a lot of their training is intuitive. I'm not knocking anybody. This is it was it's a very experiential, intuitive learning. Not that they don't learn little clinches and how to do this or that or whatever, but there, for the most part, there are no kata. There, there's no structure. There are no kind of things, right? There are these like little snapshots in time, but you got to find it and figure it out on the fly, okay? But by and large, the big thing I'm talking about are the guys that have like, you know, they were a boxer in the navy, or they did this, or they whatever, right? And so, you know, somebody, uh, well, I. I've had lots of students that have come to me that was like when I, when I was growing up as a teenager, right? My dad had a friend who, that guy was a biker. He was, a, you know, whatever. Um, uh, you know, so that's what I learned from, okay? Um, so guys got lots of experience, right? Great, okay? So you're going to learn based on how, and he's going to teach you more intuitively and stuff, okay? So he has street knowledge, okay? Or let's let's kind of bring them together a little bit over on that that street smart kind of thing, right? So we've got an instructor who has learned the lessons, learned the skills, got the belt, whatever, right? And they've been in fights, lots of fights. Okay, could have been in the ring, could have been on the street, whatever. But they've never used what they've what they're teaching specifically. Right. Because if you look at if you look at tournament fights, OK, the, the fighter has pulled one or two punches that they like or that they're really good at from the entire system that they learned. They pull a kick or two. They pull a, a, a lock or two, whatever. And so they become really, really good at this handful of things. But they're certainly not learn. They're not using 95, 98 percent of everything that was a part of that training program. OK, they they just. I like this. This is, I'm good with these. And so whatever, that's, that's what they lead with. Okay. But 
So you got a teacher that knows the stuff, never been in a fight. You got a teacher that knows the stuff, been in fights, but they don't connect. Okay. They're not, they, they can speak from experience, but they've never used the techniques that they're teaching in that fight context. And then you've got the ones who learned it, have fight experience, but also within that pocket of fight experience, there's bleed over where they've actually used what they're teaching against somebody that's looking to beat, break, or kill them. Okay? All of them are teachers. All of them can offer things, right? But when, again, this is off the mandala, when the what I know matches up with what I've used and they're the same, then we can say that the person is enlightened about that. They know more than know, and they've done more than done. Right? It it comes from from two different sides. It's kind of like matching up the the MMA. What in Japanese we would call it the Waza method. Right? No kata. It's just figuring out rondori, whatever you want to call it. Right? And intuitively figuring it out. So you, you've done that, and then you got the kata method, where it's very structured, and you're extra- extrapolating lessons from that. Both have uh, positives and negatives to them. Like on the Waza side, you can't duplicate mistakes over and over again consistently. You have to hope that the new lesson that you're going to – I'm going to do this thing, right? Next time that kind of thing happens, well, you have to hope that you're awake and you have the opportunity and you're you're aware and you don't miss it. With the kata method, you can duplicate those things so you know the same mistakes going to pop up at the same time every time because, well, it's just something I'm doing wrong, so it pops up. Kata people, hard time intuitively – letting go of the form, not thinking about what to do when or whatever, and being intuitive, you get the idea, right? So, but again, if you're, if you're listening audio only, what you don't see is I've got one hand representing one, one hand representing the other, and what we're looking to do, and I'm bringing my hands together so that they overlap each other. We're get, trying to get the best of both worlds because then we know what can be known and we have the experience of applying that and understanding how variables and how like the, the fight itself is unique, just like every individual person. It's unique in space and time. No two are ever anything alike, whatever. But that doesn't mean we just throw shit to the wind and we're only going to do this thing over here. Um, but there's also a logic in there, right? There's a, if we can apply the right framework and we understand how to know where we are and whatnot, then we can literally make sense sense out of the chaos, right? And be able to choose the right tools at the right time. Okay. Um, we know where the head fits in. We know, and I don't mean physically, right? Where we need to be in our head at the different distances relative to him being able to read. Oh, there's all kinds of things, right? So anyway, right. Um, so how do we avoid the yappy dog? Right. Again, just quick review. Yappy dog, three types, just ones I'm pointing out today. We've got the one based on malicious anger. He's just a pissed off little fucker. He's barking all the time. Right. Um, He could be just barking because he needs attention. But right. I'm just. Right. Um, The other one that needs to, you know, is barking because he needs to prove himself. Right. So for humans, this is the name caller. This is the whatever. Right. That's 
whatever. Okay. And then the scattered frivolous um, speech kind of thing, right? They're just uh, barking for the sake of barking, right? I mean, they hear a noise, right? Okay. So, but they're not, they're, they're not even, they don't even growl or anything like that. They're just, right? They just bark. Okay. So, uh, again, we're looking at the angry man syndrome. We're looking at braggarts. We're looking at uh, whatever, right? Uh, one of my teachers, again, <laughs> Texas born, Georgian raised, whatever, right? Um, used to describe things like the big dog, little dog syndrome. Okay. Big dogs, man, the kids can climb all over them. They're laying on the freaking rug right in front of the couch. Kids are climbing all over them. You can, you know, use them as a freaking hassock or an ottoman. You put your feet up on them or whatever. They just want to live a good life. Right. But if you push it a little too far, they'll give you that look or they'll growl a little bit and they'll remind you, look, dude, I know I can eat your face off. You know, I can eat your face off. How about if we just leave things well enough alone? I'll be your pal and you don't be a dick. It'll be good. Right. It's very different from the yappy dog. Always got to be barking. Always got to be doing his thing. Always got to always has to have his presence down. But if you step in his direction, He'll run behind the couch or run behind a chair and freaking bark from there. Okay. So what um, a teacher used to say was, if you can't play with the big dogs, stay on the damn porch. Okay. So anyway, um, one, one reason for avoiding the yappy dog syndrome is because we don't want those character traits to bleed over into us, right? Because again, whatever circles we travel in and whatever our environment is routinely, we become the average of that environment or group or whatever, okay? And the other reason we want to avoid it is because it diminishes our power, right? It we condition ourselves to be that thing that's producing whatever results are being produced stronger, harder, faster. So what Mikio is, is understanding that this is how things work and we're going to take control of the process and intentionally make things work. Okay. Because we're working with natural laws. Okay. Just like in martial arts, right? We work with gravity, inertia, all those kind of things. Most people don't think of it that way, but that's what we're doing. Okay. So, um, that's what I have. So, uh, again, just last little blurb for this. We are, uh, we're not formally starting the first seven steps, uh, program until after I get back from vacation. So we're looking at not this week, not next week. So in two weeks, right? Um, there'll be Thursday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern. Everything's recorded, so if you miss something, you can always make it up. Um, love to have you on board if this is something that you're interested in. But, but, okay, while you have all that time to sign up, and if you go to the information page, I'll put it on in the chat again if you need it. Um, if you go to the information page, you, uh, you'll you see that I have, like, three different uh, payment options and whatnot, so just in case that's an issue um, these days. But you can jump into that. And um, but those who sign up by 5 p.m. Eastern this Thursday get that special uh, Mikio uh, training that uh, I'm only doing for people that are signed up between now 
and then at 5 p.m. the doors close on that. There's three bonuses that are in. You'll see it at the bottom of everything that you get after this, the long listing of all the classes that are involved, right? This is going to take us into mid-January for that tuition rate that's listed there, right? You're getting live coaching and email coaching and just the guys who went through the Sanjay Shisha Doball program know how intensive uh, that kind of stuff is. And that wasn't even designed for anybody that really wanted to do Mikio. It was just kind of dipping your toe in the water and um, the sound of crickets came out. So anyway, um, but that's that. I'd love to have you on board, but I'm not a used car salesman, so I'm not pushing anybody anywhere. Um, the, uh, I'm just telling, I think I told him on Thursday, right? Um, this philosophy is not a proselytizing religion or whatever. What that means is we don't go up the doors and go, dunk, 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 Buddha saves. That, that's not this, right? You either want it or you don't. You're either seeking it, truth, or whatever, or you're not. Okay. If you could drop labels and brand names and all that kind of stuff, that'd be great because they get in the way. Buddhism, Buddhist, Eastern philosophy, whatever, all that shit muddies the water, okay? which is why only in the West do you hear words like that. The rest of the world that, that engages in this kind of um, study and practice and, and, um, and whatever it is, right, just says that they're seekers of the Dharma or they're studying the Dharma. And Dharma means truth, not a dogmatic thing. Anyway, all right, so I did see a couple of comments and whatnot, so let me throw this thing up there. Let's see, very quickly here. Florida Buddha says, it seems as though tearing down people is common evil. I would absolutely agree. There is actually an old, uh, well, he's long since dead, right? But there's this emperor from uh, ancient India. His name was Ashoka. Uh, he was a convert to Buddhism, Buddhism later in his life and whatnot. But he so believed in the evil of those ways, right, that if you had to knock other people down to elevate yourself, that you were already worse than them. And he believed that so strongly that his law included that as a crime punishable by death and it was put on all road stones at the entrance to his kingdom all roads leading into his kingdom had this roadstone that had that thing okay that it was an absolute crime punishable by death that if you were engaged in could be for religion whatever but if you had to knock other people down to elevate yourself, then you were already beneath the person you were trying to knock down. And now, again, ancient India, right, they believed in reincarnation. So they were going to give you the the ultimate cosmic do-over. I don't know if that's true or not. I know what, what Mikio says about it and all that kind of stuff, and I can teach on those things. But I don't have any recollection of, uh, well, I don't, I don't have any recollection of past lives that I don't have any discussions about. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, right? So, uh, but yeah, that's, that is absolutely, right? Uh, and that, that's one of the activities of little people, right? It's too much damn work, right? My, the guys in the Sanjay Shichi Dobon program heard this all the time. And if you get involved in the first seven steps path, um, uh, 
program, you, you're going to hear it a lot, right? Because I, I know when people are generally just going to drop off or mentally disconnect, even if they physically stay or whatever, right? Because it's just too damn much hard work, right? To actually work to control ego, to pay attention, to challenge your assumptions or beliefs about yourself, the world, the connections, all that kind of, it's just too much damn freaking work, right? So we'll just do all these other things that can make me feel like I know what the hell's going on and then explain away with whatever BS I want to come up with um, when things don't work the way I think they're supposed to. Anyway, so uh, Dave says the problem when people talk about real life experience, they don't account for the dangers and fights avoided due to following the teachings. The lessons and strategies have been invaluable. Absolutely. That's me since I used to uh, teach on this stuff. Um, he would say that uh, the training is very much like insurance. Right. Um, except this stuff pays off before <laughs> you need it. Right. Um, it's working all the time. And he said, you know, the longer you train and the better you get because of the things that you're paying attention to and the the moral and ethical base you put in place. What that means is you know, when you will act, when you will not, those kind of things. Right. And, and the awareness that develops so that you can see the potential for for threat or danger or whatever happening way sooner than anybody else. Right. The longer you train, the better you get, the less likely you're going to need to use your skills. And it's not because you realize, and because I've heard people t say this kind of stuff, right? In my younger days, I used to step up, kick shit out of people and stuff. But you know what? I don't move so fast, and I'm not as strong, and whatever. So now i got to be really careful. So now I'm choosing peace. No. No, you're not. Okay? You've recognized that you've lost the edge you used to have. So now... Right. You're doing the same thing that tough guys who have only ever been in fair fights, that means the other guys fight in the same way I am, and I'm pretty sure we're not going to kill each other. Right. That's the same reason those guys don't get into fights with people that they're not sure won't pull a gun or a knife and just stab them in the throat or shoot them in the face. Okay. It's not because they've chosen a peaceful path because they are going to sit in the corner and not fucking open their mouth because they're not prepared for this kind of scenario. It's not the same, but you're talking about something completely different, right? Following the teachings and stuff. And, and, and absolutely. Right. So Dave also says generally adults that get into fights enough to have experience are generally bad guys, unless they're in a professional capacity. Right. And so those of us who teach from professional capacity who have been in our fair share, right, um, we either couldn't back down because we had to hold the line, right, we're there in the uniform or whatnot, and so we have to handle things, or we're going to back off enough, grab that microphone and go, roll one my way, roll three my way, or I'm going to hit that mic and go, dogs at the club, okay? which means K9 needs to come rolling around the corner or SWAT, or whatever, right? Because you learn to gauge, right? But one of the lessons that I learned and one that I pass on to my students is you need to think about certain types of situations 
what your skill sets are. You need to be authentic. You need to be honest with yourself. You need to know your limitations. You need to know what types of situations you will step into. Let's say I'm having to, you know, I come across, come around the corner and there's two guys beating the living shit out of somebody, right? Do I step in or not? See, I already have an assessment plan for that. I already have a, a, a litmus test. Two guys, no more than three, no weapons involved, I step in. Weapons involved, I don't care if it's one, weapons involved or whatever, I find a place where I can observe because my best ability in that situation as a warrior to still be able to help is to be a good witness, to be able to explain things as clearly as possible as to what I what I witnessed. Unless <laughs> there are certain elements, organizations, and groups that, yeah, if I'm on vacation, whatever, maybe. But, see, I can't look over my shoulder and the shoulders of all my family for the rest of our lives. Which also means that I have assessments in place that if somebody threatens me, they're weak, but threaten me that they're going to make a phone call and I'll be looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life. I'll take my chance getting out of your house after I whack your ass because you're not making a phone call. Because what you just told me is I have no choice but to worry about you or your goons. Yeah, no. Okay. So, but I don't think people do that. I think people collect their techniques. They develop whatever sense of confidence they have with those things. They are very vague about the kind of situations they can find themselves in outside of I'm kicking his ass, which is why we teach about the three different attackers. Right? If you're in our Foundations of uh, Ninja Self-Defense program, which is our Module 1 in our First Degree Black Belt series, um, that's, one of the first, that's one of the personal development lessons in the first week or three in there. Anyway, so let's see. Uh, Victor says, oh, why is this not scrolling far enough? I was told that I will eventually reach a point that aggressors will ignore or avoid you. Absolutely. In the scrolls, both on the Mikyo side and on the Nijutsu side, same thing. Anyway, um, in the highest levels, um, not only are you seeking to attain the state of Shin Shin Shingon, which is the mind and eyes of God. That does not mean that you become God. That means that you're able to see clearly reality, right? But there is also the aspect of becoming invisible in the eyes of the enemy. That does not mean that they can't see you. What that means is in plain sight, they're looking at you, but they don't perceive a threat. One of my favorite lines from the first Born Identity movie with Matt Damon, because the books are nothing like it, um, was when he still had amnesia, met that girl. They were in a diner, and he said, I, I have no idea what my name is, anything like that, but I do know, and he goes around the room, like, uh, I know that I can run this far flat out without being out of breath. I know this. I know that the middle-aged guy over there that with, the, with the bot belly right, can handle himself. I know, and he just goes around the room and stuff like that because he can wreck, right? So, but to do that, to do this whole ignore you, invisible, that kind of thing, right? 
we have to understand how Hensojutsu and all those kind of things play into and all these other ninja skills that by and large aren't being taught anymore. People are reading about them. People are talking about them. But nobody's doing ninjutsu. I know they're using the word. Okay. But as long as we're only doing a mere shadow of what has been passed down, it's going to be really, really difficult to get to that. But you're right. But here's the question. Are we just going to get to an age that aggressors will ignore or avoid you? Or do we get to a level of proficiency in more than just fight skills where they will ignore or avoid me? Because I don't want them to avoid me like the tough guy wants them, wants them to avoid. Right? Won't mess with me. I'll kick his ass. Yeah, he can shoot you in the face from across the street, dude. Shut the hell up. See, that's one problem that the yappy dog has. They have no idea when to shut the hell up. I actually considered, when I was putting this, this episode together, calling it the subtle art of shutting the fuck up. But I didn't think that would go as far. So anyway, that's it. I, I, I posted, I'm going to post the, the, the link to the program one more time. Um, like I said, you know, if you have any questions, you can always shoot me an email, uh, whatever, but, uh, no, I've got a, a small handful of people at the moment. Um, but, uh, like I said, the fast action bonuses are done on Thursday. Uh, the people that are in that class, great. There, there's two other bonuses that they're getting. And then it doesn't mean that, um, you know, Enrollments will still be open, but things there are certain bonuses that are, are going to be are going to be pulled down, and then everybody will have until I think the day before we go live, which I think let me look at my schedule here, my calendar. It should be on the page. It may say the 24th, but that doesn't match up. I think there's an error on the page, so um, we actually have our first class in the first. Uh, seven steps program on Thursday, September 14th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay. So that's it. That's what I got. So, uh, James says, thanks. You're welcome. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You guys are absolutely welcome. I will see you next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site. Or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.